0: I come from the south of France, but I still feel like really hot here <laughs> in England. I don't know about you. So we have an interesting topic. I didn't choose this topic, as probably many of you have heard this many times. None of us have choo- chosen this topic, but um, we 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 kind of th- in in terms of date what we want. You know that can be the the, the title can be changed, but we try not to. We got to avoid it. We just get the one that's going to be working for us (laughs) interesting so this one I got it uh, written down because you know I'm not the best my age so I thought it's an interesting topic because it's actually very very useful topic for us to to, you know to have a reflection on that and it says how can living you know in a kind of uh, worrying or wearing, I try to get the accent right, <laughs> and a chaotic, you know, world, um, you know, be useful to for undertaking the path. I managed to get it right, that's great. And so, this is a very interesting topic because, for me, I, I'm more intuitive. So, I even if just reading this, I get a lot of things coming my way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... I have to look at it in a different kind of um, fashion. I'm just going to, first of all, take my refuge in the Buddha Dhamma, and then I'll we'll the, start the reflection. So, namo tasa bhagavatu arahatu samma sambhu Namo tasa bhagavatu arahatu samma sambhu Namo tasa bhagavatu arahatu samma sambhu tasa. Buddha, Dhamma, Sangam, Yes. So For one thing, the idea of thinking like that is an interesting way. How can living in a world that's worrying and chaotic be useful? Wow, what a question! Huh? Everybody has been hearing, you know, the teaching of Buddhism, about, you know, and uh, methods and so on, and. It's good to be on one's own, to be quiet, to have a meditation that cools the mind down, cools the heart down. And so, in a way, there's a lot of emphasis on being away from chaos, being away from (laughs) warrant, How would you say the name of warrant? Of the kind of conflicting world, you could say. To be able to practice correctly. Isn't it what many of you think? If only you had a quiet retreat now, somewhere, a place you like, you could really be practicing correctly, couldn't you? And then if only people were not just bubbling all day long around me, then my meditation will improve so much. That means, on one thing, on one way, you have to get rid of a house or the neighbors, and the other one, you. Maybe your friends, your partner, your dogs. I mean, if we really believed what our mind is thinking, half of the world would have to leave us, you know, to be really on the island somewhere in the ocean with nobody around. People have experienced these things. They didn't come back more enlightened, I noticed. You know, living on a deserted island, quiet with no conflict, no discord, no opposition, nothing, you know. So it's so good we can actually discuss, I mean, I'm doing the talking, but remember your mind is also participating in this, you know, um, reflection. Yeah? Not that I'm reading your mind. (laughs) I'm not reading your mind, but we share more than we think, okay? So... I'm not the best person to think about these things because I never minded a bit of chaos. In fact, I quite like a bit of chaos. In fact, I remember thinking, admitting to myself, you know, quite a few years after being a nun, that I really liked a little chaos. Not that I, was, I wanted chaos, but the habit was there. I liked things just not quite perfect. Was strange, isn't it? It took me a few years to actually get around that. <laughs> it's really nice actually to see who you are. Uh, no, uh, it's not permanent, but it's interesting to see your particular kind of tendencies, and maybe by look by, um, being honest to the one's tendencies, you might actually change your world for a more peaceful and practical world, and maybe a more, um, you know, more pleasant. So, you notice we don't come here because we choose to come here at some level, we come to Amarawati, we're interested in the Buddha Dharma, why? Because maybe you read some books on Buddhism, why did you get a book on Buddhism? Maybe because you were interested in what this teaching was about. Why were you interested and you were not interested in some other part of your life? I would say because you were, quote unquote, suffering. Suffering. Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me better now? okay, okay. So you know, I, I, you know, when we feel that life, you know, is unsatisfactory, which I don't think it takes much to find out these days, right? then something in us just is opening to ask questions, and maybe you go into a book on Buddhism, or maybe you go into a book of shamanism, or a book on you know, any other religion that exists in the world, but for some reason maybe you just got drawn to the uh, Buddhist monastery here, and maybe interested in the teaching. And um this um this change is kind of suddenly what appears in your mind is not by chance. There was some kind of causes behind that, you know. You are interested because maybe you never done this before, maybe you have done it and you saw the result, a good result, uh, and you want to deepen your practice. Does it depend on conditions? Do you have to have the perfect world to come here? Not necessarily. Right? Maybe you just um, realize that your view of the world might not be the only view. Yes, the way we've been educated. From, I'm old compared to many of you, but my even though my parents were incredibly open-minded and free-spirited in many ways, you know, it was very different. It was uh, you know we didn't have all this side of TikTok and telephone or computer you can look at everything if you want to you know I'm glad I have precepts (laughs) for example you know where you're limited in how much you can see or want to see even you know so how can this world do you need a perfect world no in fact you don't need any world you need just a world you've got right now There's not, there's no other world. You'll realize that each moment is your world. That's all you've got, and your world is created. How is created your world? You know, we see the world very often as something separate from us. You know, we're looking at the world, looking at people, looking at cats, dogs, etc., etc. You know, if we are blind, we could never see these things. If we were. Uh, you know, hard of hearing or deaf, we could never hear any any sound of the world. It still remind me of that famous quote of Ajahn Shah uh, teaching saying that you know when the my, when the monks arrive in hampstead you know in Hampstead in London on haverstock hill and uh, their little their house i mean i went, went there myself before I became a nun, their house was on two or three floors, and uh, they had a pub just right across the road. I'm talking about the perfect world at the moment. Just stay with me. And, um, you know, when Ajantra when was asked, you know, is it appropriate for a monastery, a forest monastery, to come and be established? He said, basically, I, I'm quoting him, so the world that he shows might not have been, um, you know, exactly what he said. But basically, he said... Perfect, fine. And he was explaining to the <laughs> to the monk and the people there that if they were bothered by the sound, they just have to do a little half turn around and say, "It's not the pub that's bothering you; it's you bothering the pub." That's a that's a view of a of a transcendent meditator. Of <laughs> what I mean by transcendent, a free meditator. Do you understand? Now, I'm taking you to the practice like this because many of us, we have six senses, okay? Eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and yeah, I think that's enough, nose, (laughs) ears, yeah. I think I've covered. And we tend to think that, um, you know, for some reason, to make you really happy and comfortable, unless you want to listen to loud noise and speedy stuff, you might think that you want calm, don't you? You want silence, you want... But the world is not going to die because you want peace. <laughs> Your world is not going to die because you just want peace. And that's it. behind all that desire to have it the way I want is that you want all the things you don't want to die, to, to, to disappear somewhere else. Some people divorce other people, you know, run away, other people just, you know, just pretend they don't, you know, they don't, they're not doing what they are doing, you know. They, oh, no, 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 I'm fine, absolutely fine, but they're absolutely raging inside and want, hope that the neighbors could really shut up or go somewhere else, preferably. Yeah? You notice that? Is that just me? Not now. I mean, I, <laughs> I have, I'm here to tell you you can improve. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking on, the, on microphone. <laughs> no, it does change. A bit in a way that Agencia said, you know. In a, a bit in a way that you have probably already experimented yourself. You experimented, I'm sure, the time when the sound is absolutely killing you, an external sound. And within twenty minutes of not b- doing anything, you're just mindful of it. You don't even hear it anymore. Haven't you had this experience? Yes. It's interesting, and eh, how these senses seem to be very, very, uh, absolutely solid, you know, and permanent. And they're going to, you know, kill you if they carry on. And then you just there mindfully. God, you shut up! No, that's listening to you. Do you understand? You not uh, this is listening to the thinking mind, which is one of the uh, aggregates. You know, you have the body, you have the feeling, you have—you uh, are made of these four, five aggregates: body, and then feeling, and then perception, and then you have mental formations, and then you have sense consciousness. Right? the, the six sense on consciousness, including? Consciousness it itself, and so you know, when you when you have six senses, and you read the books on Buddhism, you might think, "I really have to go to you know as far as I can on the you know on an island somewhere in the middle of the Pacific, otherwise I will never get that silence." But the Buddha is not talking about changing the world outside. He's actually asking you to look inside what is it that creates this noise have you ever asked yourself what is it that creates the feeling of being upset annoyed you know disturbed don't worry i'm french so i'm very direct and very kind of s- i'm not english in the sense of being quiet and mouse like i hope you don't mind i'm not accusing anybody i'm not <laughs> i'm not telling you how you are i'm just talking yeah, my experience. Okay. And so, you know, when you when you ask when somebody asks a question like this, you know, how can living in a worrying chaotic world can be useful? Well, at some level it's do you have to really have a balance in this view of this question. A balance. One balance one side of the balance is the fact that yes, it's good to have a quiet world. And not a worrying worrying world, right? Not a chaotic world. Yes, it's good. And another, you know, from the point of view of wisdom, if you just have a quiet world, for one thing, you'll be extremely stressed because the world is not quiet. And secondly, you won't learn a thing. You'll be learning to be quiet, but the mind is not quiet. It just makes you believe it could be quiet for a long time. But it's not. Do you understand? So it's really good to know that. Just to know that when you experiment with a desire to be quiet for a long time, you end up so stressed out because you never get quiet enough. Have you noticed that? Yeah? Why? Because we are not at peace with the mind as it is. Even when people want to go into the jhanas, deep concentration, and all that sort of thing. Okay? When you go to Thailand, where I was, you know, for a few years, you know, as a teacher I know, they they don't, you know, instruct you to, to force anything in the mind. Just to follow nature. If you want a quiet mind, just don't cling to your thought, don't cling to anything that goes through it, you know, and eventually something in that mind has understood. I don't know how he does it, you know, but at some point when you stop being identified, um, you stop being um, attached to what goes on in your mind, naturally it comes down. You know, the mind gets agitated because you agitate it. Either you agitate it or what comes up is agitated. You follow? You know, maybe you worry about something. You have the right to worry. Maybe you have a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. You can't sort out your life. Maybe you're frightened. Maybe you're anguished by things. So many things that give you the right to be fr- you know, in that state of mind. You don't have to kill. <laughs> excuse me. You don't have to destroy the, your personality because it's not the perfect one that you hope you would have. We're not here to develop personality, by the way. Right? No, the personality is the ego. And i just been into writing an article for a magazine, you know, asking me to write something because I heard the teaching that I got from Acharya that's that's my view is given by the teaching and the practice that I did through the guidance of Acharya The ego is not a problem. That's all you've got to. That's all you've got to be enlightened. Remember that. So you, you don't have to cling to the ego. The ego is just a thought attached to a whole stories, probably lifetime after lifetimes. You know. We don't go into past li- I don't go into past life or things like that, but, you know, it's, it's our story, the ego. My story from birth, let's start from birth, you know. And that story is conditioned, is, you know, is you are, we are attached to, you know, we, are, we cling to, we, uh, we think it's, that's what, who we are. So many things are attached to this ego. So we're not here to, you know, to make the personality better. In case you are you were on this path, you can forget about it. The the ego is just an, a very kind friend that can help you well, you it can become a friend if you stop clinging to it and receive it as it is. That's something I I, I want often to let you know. If you can actually look at yourself, this is with the, the aim of meditation in a Vipassana practice. If you really uh, you can, you're capable of looking at this very unsatisfactory self. Unsatisfactory, according to who? It's according to the amount of pain that you receive from it. You know, when you're happy, it's actually effective. It's satisfactory, isn't it? We nobody, Nobody's is going to complain from a, un, a sort of happy self. <laughs> this is called a happy moment. <laughs> With dancing, singing, having a good time, and so on, and so on. But that's not against being a good Buddhist. We all kind of dance, and I mean, I can't dance anymore, but I can't just sing, and <laughs> no, I can't sing anymore. Sorry. chant, <laughs> and so on, you know. But what do we do? You know, we get deluded. We, de- go, we go into a distorted road where we start going down a road of not wanting what we have to look at. So, <coughs> what is useful to undertake the past? Tell me. What is useful to, t- you know, the whole calming effect that the Buddha talks about, uh, you know, related to the meditation, the calming down, and so on, you know. It's, at some point, what will help you to see the uncalm mind, to see the deluded mind, to see the angry, pained mind, you know, with a peaceful mind. And we call it consciousness. Okay? You're looking through consciousness at the very activated mind, irritated, and so on. So this is what we, you know, the the developing the path is helped by knowing how to calm the mind down. But... Many people struggle to calm the mind down. Have you noticed your mind? You say, now nah, I'm going to do meditation. I'm peaceful. The, the kids are at school. I'm going to be, ah, at last, you know. I can really benefit now. I can I can see. And then you spend one hour worrying about the kids, worrying about you, worrying about the husband, worrying about the dogs, the meal at lunchtime. <laughs> uh, whatever it is. I mean, I'm just telling this thing off my ran you know, but... You can just make the story, make up the story yourself, yeah. And then you say, "Oh gosh, an hour passed and I haven't had a moment of peace." It's fine to not have a moment of peace. It's like the it's like the noise and the the the, the pub in Havoc Stock Hill that Ajanta was talking about. As long as you are, I, I can do it, come on. I can how can I say, as long as you are identified with the noise, whatever noise it is, whether it's a noise of your mind, of your emotions or your life of your of your talking or or your um you know outside sound and so on, the noise of the of life outside us here um you know it's still noise. So this teaching of Ajahn Shah is very helpful, isn't it? We have heard it. Some of us have heard it many times. But you begin to see what the walking path is about. It needs what it needs more than anything is the understanding that your life is perfect for what you need to do to, to undertake the path. Yes, your life is just right at each moment. did you hear that because you're not trying to change your life you're not trying to uh, you you are here to understand your conditioned life do you understand you're here to understand the way it is right now as long as you keep having that desire that want to have a little mini buddha inside and manifest So maybe by the end of the meditation, you may look like a little Buddha Rupa. This is just my (laughs) my image. I don't paint, but I have a lot of painting inside. So, you know, if you expect to be a, a little peaceful statue by the end of the, you know, you may look like a statue. When I teach, when I've been teaching retreat, you know, you see the person that look like an angel just about to. Get off into nibbana, and then another one looks absolutely hysterical and really upset and annoyed. You know, the other one that looked like an angel, he, he suddenly he opened up. You know, at the end of the retreat, and he was in hell most of the time. And the other one that was more like struggling, she had a lot of insight, and by the end of the retreat, she did very well. Do you understand? It's not peace that liberates you. It's consciousness observing the mind that liberates you. Do you understand? That's what frees you. And so the Buddha very kindly has given a whole pile of medicine for that. list of Anicca, Dukkarnata, the list of the Four Noble Truths, the list of all the things you need to understand and know to and, and use in your meditation. So for example, Vipassana practice is very much um, a, a recognition of the characteristics of your experience. you know, I'm not going to go into details, but the whole universe, the Buddha says, you know, so it's vast huh, is actually impermanent and satisfactory and non-self. It's not, swa- it's not oneself. Now, just listen, you need a lot of space for these things because it, it's very simple, if you know how simple it is. But our mind, when we don't know this teaching and haven't practiced, so you think it's very difficult or maybe you, never, you, know, you will never get it. You know, you look at a, r- a river or anything that you use, you notice how things are changing constantly. I mean, you just look at water on from the tap. She doesn't stay there at the tap against the the tap. She just keeps rolling down. You look at the day, the months, the years, they all change all the time. You look at you as a little girl, like a, a so sweet looking and then by the age of seventeen you're raging with your mom and dad, you know. Torturing your parents. Maybe not you, the French are good at that. <laughs> the Swiss even better. I know because I've taught in Swiss Switzerland and the, the, the Swiss my fri- Swiss friend said to me you know when you see a, a couple in, in in Lausanne or Genève or something you know in a kind of middle, not middle a younger couple looking really absolutely exhausted and stressed they say they have a d- addiction they say they must have teenagers <laughs> not <laughs> this Swiss people and so what I want to say to you is that. Undertaking the path is not something that you choose in some ways. It's something in you that is pushing you, that is really awaking you to the fact that you need to be free. Yes? You need to be free. It's nobody else. It's my experience, and I don't think I'm alone. You know, I was never religious, particularly ever. My parents were not particularly religious, but we all have something at some point. Maybe it happens very young, or middle age, or very when we people are old, close to death. It can happen, you know, when we get to the point where we could die any time. You begin to be to feel the, this sense, this urge in oneself that want to understand life, don't we? Not understand in a kind of intellectual way, necessarily but understands through the power of consciousness, Dhamma, and insight. Insight, which is not just an accumulation of ideas and thoughts and feelings and so on. Insight is a realization. That's very different. Insight is something that comes to you and never leaves you because you've touched some truth at some point. Do you understand? That's why the Buddha made it so important to have this vipassana practice, which is a practice of insight, of realization. You don't need a book after that so much. You just need to continue. Use those insights for liberation, not accumulate insight. I was lucky. I, I I had a lot of insight, but I used to tell me, oh, you know, shut up now. No, you, you know. Because insight can, <laughs> they're so kind of, interesting, you know, when you suddenly realize something, something simple. Ah, yeah, it's it's impermanent, yes. I never saw that like that. Yeah? Oh, it's not me. Very simple things, you know, one day when I was on retreat at Chethurst in the early days, you know, I mean, you know, we're all a bit conceited and wanting to look good, don't we, at some point, at some point in our life. I'm not saying all the time, but but we're never, never going to say that to anybody, are we? That looks a bit conceited. Anyway, I had a little conceit, which I noticed I wanted to look good as a meditator. I do not realize a meditator was a human being <laughs> that, just, that just was also impermanent and could start crying or being upset with things at any time, any moment, any time. And I remember somebody said to me, uh, have you had a good retreat? You know, I said, oh yes, it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And there was, I, could, I could feel in me this being propelled to want to say more about how wonderful it was because I was such a wonderful nun that had a wonderful you know, retreat and so on. And I, I didn't want to go into the terrible insight I had about myself and so on, but the retreat was great. you know. So there was this kind of desire to look good. I have a row of young, young women here and they understand what I mean. <laughs> Maybe the only one that understands what I'm talking about, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> we all are teenagers at some point, somewhere, even at 90, I think. Isn't it true? <laughs> and so, I'm not 90, by the way. <laughs> and so, you know... I'm really interested in for you to have right view because that's really the most important part. This right view. And for many people, it's hard to know because the whole world of me is so busy trying to hold itself attached to you, so busy to keep on looking the part, so busy to, you know, pretend that all your problem is. The story of somebody else, right? So busy to to all, you know into all kind of project to keep to stay in place. You you know people will lie, will criticize people all the time. It's their fault. I'm t- you know you have people telling me I'm terrible, I'm awful, and then you know not long afterwards they go and criticize somebody else. You know it's your fault if I feel like this or if I do that or if I you know. So we are all endowed with this kind of um, habits. <laughs> I laugh because, in a way, I've done my practice for forty years. You know, so I feel, gosh, you know, I can't see a, even a teeny bit of what I, I what would be interested also for you. Not as a kind of, how do you say, how do you say that? How, as a Make a successful kind of, you know, up, up. But what I said to the nuns many many (laughs) times—they're not here anymore. (laughs) I said, one thing I can teach you is how, how, what to do when you're a nun. (laughs) Not what to do, but not what to do. Do you understand? All the mistakes you make, all the trouble you get, all the misery you receive, and so on, and how to deal with this kind of thing. Isn't it life? Is like that outside too? No, just a monastery. Everywhere, I think, isn't it? That's life. You think because you come here, you're going to have an easy time? You must be joking! Absolutely not. And it's not others who give you an easy, a, a difficult time. It's you realize that you are gi- yourself giving yourself a difficult time. And that is really if you r- if you sit with this, you stay with it quiet, you begin to see I am free. I can do what I want with me. I'm free. I don't I don't depend on others when you can see this. Isn't it wonderful? I don't depend on others. This is what a this is the freedom he gave me when I went to Chicha the first time. In a different story, but I tell you because it's worthwhile. You know, when I arrived, I was just still a laywoman, all kind of interested in good clothes, looking good, and all the rest of it, and I was a dancer, so he kind of, all that sort of thing. And then, you know, at some point I was talking to him because I was seriously looking for what life was, for the meaning of life. <laughs> and then, so I, 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 you know, I said to him, um, I'm re- I'm feeling so good in the world now, I'm really, I don't, re- I done a retreat with him, I'm feeling so great, you know. I feel the world is just challenged, and I love the challenges. So I felt really good, and I was quite emphatic about um, emphatic about it, you know. The, lo- the The world is challenging, like this one here. You know, world is chaotic and, you know, warren war, war warren what, Warren? No, Warren. Anyway, conflicted. I really. <laughs> I just have to say at war, conflicted. And he said to me, kind of very quiet, we've been talking for quite a while, at Chetust, first time I was going there. And <coughs> he had known me before, other sort of situation. And so, you know, he said, you know, what Ajahn Samuddha accent? Yeah, yes, I can't really imitate the American accent, unfortunately, but I, c- I was better when I was younger, but now it's not so good. So he said, well, depends, you know. No, it, it, it didn't say it depends. It's something like it's a matter, of, you know, of knowing where the world is when he said the world is. That's an insight that came to me straight away, bang, like a flash, you know, like a, like a lightning flash. I realized at that moment. I just give you the story because it's how insight comes, you know. Don't expect them to come from your thinking. <coughs> Do you know, so suddenly, immediately, I felt. the world doesn't exist outside. It, I was still my mind, you know, but it's here. My mind is not there. There's nothing to do with my mind here. It's here, okay? And I felt so free. That was the first time I experienced that feeling. Do you know, really deep. I mean, it went very deeply. And uh, I said, oh, I was always f- thinking, what can I do to have a better life? What should I do? How can I live? Blah blah blah. You know, and there were so many things coming up. I'd already been married. I didn't want to be married again, so that can cut a lot of problems. And then, uh, you know, it was a very nice person, by the way. <laughs> and so no, no, it needed, it does, it did not need any repeat. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was nothing uh, attracting me in the world, particularly. And I said, what can I do, what can I do? I was fed up with dancing, you know, a bit. And then when he said that, it's interesting. It's like a lightning of freedom came. It's like, it didn't matter anymore what I did. I, I, it's difficult to transmit it, really. It's like, I choose what I do and It didn't matter what it was, as long as it was something that I liked and was good, you know, was good. I was already into ethic, ethic, you know. I mean, my parents were quite ethical, so I was already into that kind of ethic, you know, from the parents. But really, I was kind of tightening the the bolt a bit, you know, being really making myself a a kinder and more sort of kind person, you know, good person. And so... Yeah, I I cannot say more than that, you know. That's what you get sometimes in meditation. You get this kind of insight. Don't look for them, because if you look for them, you don't get them. Because why? Because the desire for them is blocking the way. Do you understand? Yeah? It's blocking the way. So, sometimes when I speak with some people, I realize that the thing that blocking the way is more serious than I think for me now You know, it's not blocking the way for me. I'm happy to rest in consciousness peacefully and it's it's not a big deal, I'm not frightened. But for many people, emptiness is quite frightening. Do you know? It's quite scary because you think the mind may be dead or useless or it has disappeared. (laughs) Don't worry. The mind doesn't need you to come back. it doesn't need you to come back. What I mean by this, as long as the mind is not you know pretty advanced in the past you you, know, you don't need to worry for the mind not to talk to you anymore or not to think or not to do anything. you know you don 't need to worry about that that's his passion, you know. <laughs> So what you're trying with the, with the practice, little by little, you're saying to your little ego, it's alright, I know you're frightened, I know you're anxious, I know you're this, you know, I hear you, I see you, you look really miserable. I mean, I don't see and know or see anything, you know. But basically, for me, it's very clear, the ma- the ego is a big suffering lump of swords. Now, don't worry, you're not this ego, do you remember? The Buddha says, you're not the ego, you're not self. That's what he means, it's not self, doesn't belong to you. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he disappeared, but it's like, what it means, is like you have opened up your mind a little bit wider through whatever means, and suddenly you see it here, rather than here. Do you understand? Or here? <laughs> Completely blinded. Do you understand? You see the world in a way that it's visible suddenly. You can see yourself visible. What makes us suffer a lot is that we are blocked by our identity, our, um, you know, attachment. By we, we it, it kind of pack. It's all kind of all sort of packages in front of our conscious eyes and consciousness that blocks the view. Do you understand? But you don't need to do anything. Don't think about it. You know, just I mean, what really works well is when you begin to relax and take your life. You know, trust your life. Life is very alive, you know. You wouldn't be here without it, would you? But it's not because you think it, you say you realize that you're not dependent, you're not attached to it, you know. It doesn't mean that life disappears. You know what disappears when you stop attaching to it? Tell me somebody, tell me, tell me. Anybody? You don't feel embarrassed about telling it. Just a little trial. Eh? I know oh, it's terrible because I'm completely de- Well, not deaf, but quite deaf. Shall I tell you it? Dukkha. Now isn't it worse? Isn't that worse? Exchanging Dukkha for freedom. Or Sukkha. Not even Sukkha, but peace. The end of Dukkha, the end of Sukkha is peace. you really want to know the serious person who said that I'm sure the Buddha said it but also Ajahn Chah on the self you know people are trying to become good people and then they are happy people then they're trying to be uh, you know to push away their unhappiness all the things that are really unpleasant right and then to counter- counteract this <coughs> they go back to what is good, and feeling good, and so on. And then the next step is that they they create a huge, wonderful, positive desires about being good all the time. But the mind is not good all the time. The mind is not good all the time. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Sometimes you get really fed up with life, and you want to swear for an hour, don't you? I mean, if you're French. I have to be polite with the British, you know, because they would never do that probably. But what I mean by this is that your mind is not yours either. The ego, you know, your ego doesn't belong to you. The ego is just like uh, one thought comes through and it has a whole story with it. And it comes, you know, cavilling with this whole past, all the stories, all the things you know, everything that you have learned, everything that you have forgotten, comes back. You can even remember things thing you, you did when you were young, a naughty girl, you know, a naughty boy, you know, really nasty to your dad or mom. With that, it's not, it's not consciousness, you know. Memory, you may remember. Yeah? And it's in a package of me, mine, it's my story. So, You know, there's nothing to worry about becoming peaceful because life doesn't stop at peace. You know, life doesn't belong to you. I mean, you know, maybe one day you die. You didn't expect it. That's what brought me to the community. You know, I was not dying. Somebody else I knew, I didn't even know this person very well, but was dying. And that insight about you can die any time, really another lightning, you know, shock, I remember. You know, sometimes you say, well, you can die any time. I know, I've heard that before. (laughs) I've heard that before. I'm sorry to forget you that you can't hear. Yes, you say, oh, well, I've heard the story, and then you start discussing. Yes, I mean, uh, death can come any time, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I know about death, blah, 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 you know. But the the lightning of insight is different. It's like suddenly... You are that, you know, you know you know it. So for example for me that insight was just realizing that at any moment our life can be cut off. <laughs> I just wish that we we all of us live for a hundred years, you know, make sure that my wish, of course. Some people even here, have vowed for 120 years. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> 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 but in some way, I mean, I mean, people have different way of expressing this, you know. Uh, you know because sometimes if you prepare yourself to death too early, you can actually die just because you've been so good at preparation, you know. <laughs> people kind of collapsed and... No, you know, when you when you become old, it's really hard work. You know, to keep not just life to be happy, happy, you know, but just to continue the path, <laughs> to continue to work on the on the path. You know what I mean? To really do the work, the transformation, even when you are old. You know, you continue. You don't abandon your body and mind when it, when they it, they need it most. Don't they? And not only that, but if you really want to have a good, a good aging period, you know, make sure your mindfulness is really strong. Not concentration. Remember, you need concentration to be mindful. Also, they go together. But on the path, you know, you have energy, concentration, and mindfulness. That's the three, the three parts of the path. The end. I mean, it's, it's kind of they're not the end. They, they could be in circle. They could be. In any form, but on in as a list, you know, they, they come, you know, they mention at the end of the path. But this is why maybe you need to be even more dependent on that which is the most beautiful part of this human being, which is consciousness, awareness, the transformative power of your life. Yeah? What can transform? And I, I've seen it so often. I have no doubt. You don't feel very good. Just you know, just make sure you're very mindful of not feeling very good. I know for some people it doesn't work because, yeah, it takes. You know, the path is not easy in the sense that if you put too much concentration in one thing, it becomes bigger. It can become bigger. Do you understand? So I said to somebody. Uh, I think he's maybe even here. I don't know, but I, s- I said to someone, no, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, t- i was just checking the time. I said to someone, just co- you know, um, put your attention on the pain you have here, and then because that will help you, t- that it will help the um, the pain to disintegrate. You know, the the, the actual co- uh, consciousness has a way of emptying. Your experience of solidity. Do you understand? They stop seeing, stop being solid, and image imag- in a kind of imaginary way, um, you know, solid and permanent. It's quite extraordinary. You you'd have to experiment with that. And I know. I mean, I talk um, from a place in myself which is not so. You know, caught up in being frightened about things or things. But I know there's a lot of fear in all of us. I worked a lot with fear myself. So I'm not frightened by fear, which is my insight. Fear was not a problem. It's just being frightened of fear when they come. Do you understand? So that insight was no, no, fear is not a problem. It's just a thought in the mind. But when you're frightened, of being frightened, that's what makes you, give you a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. The anticipation of this. Yeah? And there are many reasons for being frightened. Don't worry. There's a lot of, you know, wise reason. <laughs> Do you, d- you need to go. It's. So I want to tell you from here, I'm completely deaf, but uh, I thought I'd give the talk until a bit, yeah. Usually it's about an hour talk, isn't it? Uh, you can talk over there. I can't hear you. For one thing, you might need a... Where is he? I think... No, no. Where you could... That's it. And you speak loud, loud, loud for me, even through the microphone.
1: Thank you, Ayan uh, Sundara, for this talk. Come here, come here. Thank you for this talk. Oh, I'm
0: so sorry. I can't hear everything you say. Oh. It's getting worse, yeah. Thank you very much for the talk. Yeah. And... Can you repeat the sentence with the awareness and the solidity? Repeat the sentence. I can't hear a thing. I've got my hearing aid. Sorry. (laughs) Never mind. I can can hear a bit. Solidity? Solidity, yeah. Awareness. And awareness. Yeah. Solidity and awareness. Thank you. Yes, of course. Well... It's all right. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I I just written something on on a similar topic. Uh, it w- it was not me ra- writing it by the way. I'm not a writer. I am just somebody uh, tran- uh, transcribing and editing, you know. But the um, solidity and what was the other one? Awareness, Awareness yeah. Well, awareness is like your—it's like the, the eyes that is so big, you can't see it. You never see awareness, you know. It's something you begin to notice when you pay attention to it. And when we talk of the whole schools of mindfulness that we have throughout the world nowadays, you know, it's all about consciousness, but they call it awareness, you know, sati, sampajanya, awareness and wisdom. But consciousness is a more... How can I say? You notice consciousness when you you see clearly when the mind is caught up with your attachment and free from attachment. Okay? Do you understand? As long as your mind is caught up with attachment, in a way it's like being stuck on a pile of butter, you know. <laughs> Quite like butter. Yeah, But once, through your practice of vipassana, you begin to um, learn how to unglue yourself from the mind attachment, from attachment. You begin to see that your mind is stuck on something. Now this is my image, which may not work for you, I don't know. But the reason why we are, we, we suffer in this life because w- of attachment. The reason why we suffer because of our identification, identity with the mind and body. The reason why we suffer is because we are uh, <laughs> persuaded for a long time. We're sure that what I see, what I feel, what I hear is mine, is, is me. Now you don't need to, those words can be a bit f- scary because you think, well, who am I? It's just a word. Do you understand? If I say, this uh, you know, I am not this person, well, I've said that for forty years, you know, as a practice, and so on, I mean as a not for forty years twenty four hours a day, but what I mean as a you know work when I was a younger nun, you know, and I never disappeared, I noticed you know I was still kind <coughs> you know kind of having a d- debate with somebody or or you know the the personality doesn't die, really, the personality is just. Your belief in words which do not fit reality anymore. Can you hear that? This is important. The ego is a, is, is a sad story in some ways. Now, talk to your ego nicely because it's sensitive. It just doesn't have a problem, the ego. You have a problem with the ego, especially when you become a Buddhist, even worse. Ego should not exist. It should be dead a long time ago. I mean, so All the practice I've done, what am I doing here anyway? All this practice and I still do naughty things and unkind things and so on. You no, know, it's not the way it works. Leave your ego alone but train it when it does some naughty things, you know, that's all. Or unkind or selfish or, you know, when it's selfish or when it's nasty or whatever. The ego... In my last transcription that I did, I, I, I corrected, you know, I, l- I say, when you say, and I say, oh, God, If this is for a French magazine, by the way, I was working on. I say, if I said that in England, I don't know what they would think. I said, basically, at the beginning, if you are negative about your ego, you know, I mean, I don't say that exactly. When you see your ego, when you, co- you know, you complain about me, you complain about yourself, you're never good enough, you're never the right person. You'll never be a Buddha. You'll never be a an enlightened person. You'll never be zi- all these kind of stupid things. Excuse me, inverted comma. Habits of being negative about oneself. So, <coughs> instead of that, I said, and I taught it when I was teaching retreats at Amaravati and anywhere around the world. <laughs> I say, to your ego, remember, all you have is your ego to get free. Because what will you do if you didn't see the dukkha here? This is it. you can see your dukkha in the end of dukkha. Isn't it great? What do you want more than that? So what I said, i uh, maybe this gentleman have been on retreat, I mean on a workshop with me and you know it, you heard me say it before. I say, listen, you go to your whatever is your shrine, your sitting place or your kitchen choirs on the chairs, uh, right? And say, do you do you hear me? Yeah. And just bow. Well, it's better if it is a quiet space, more like a shrine. Bow to it and say, "My ego, thank you for being here, right? Because without you, I will never know that I'm deluded and a prisoner of my." It's different from last time. Huh? A different from <laughs> and prisoner of my delusion of my ignorance isn't it another way to seeing the ego did you hear me without this ego that you're born with and grew up with how would you know how to work on on delusion if you don't acknowledge it because that's the culprit of your suffering of your delusion of your ignorance you know But you can't blame the ego, that's solid can do. It's not impermanent, it's not like, it's solid, and I'm coming to the solidity, uh. (laughs) my friend, uh. (laughs) right? And I, I say to them, just bow to them and say thank you. Right, the ego is not a problem. It's you creating a problem about the ego. The ego is blind. (laughs) So you need to help this entity there, what we call me. You need to help her. You come to the Buddha Dharma to help this entity there, this habit, this solid mass of habits. And at the end of a little article, you know, I say, you know, when... (laughs) The French are very much into love, I have to remember. It doesn't mean necessarily you love people, but just everything is, you know spiritually at all level. <laughs> and then so I said, when you say to your ego, I love you, it's not that you agree with the ego, it's that you can finally see it as it is. Because as long as you react, you counterreact, you battle, you hate, you you judge, you criticize your ego, is still caught in a sea of massive waves and mud and stuff, you know, how can you see yourself? If you're constantly saying, yeah, I'm not like You need to see it as it is. It's probably nicer than you think once you start stop criticizing it. And I'm not joking, I'm tori- talking to you about reality. And to respond to this lady, I know her very well. Um, to respond to you I want to say that um, you know solidity is what happens when we take something seriously but not in the wrong seriousness not wi- with effort, with wisdom with kindness and so on you take yourself seriously and then everything hurts because if, if that self is too taken seriously then whatever happened to it you, you start panicking if somebody say you're an idiot and you think it's yours oh my God you know I'll be I'll do something I'll see you'll see a piece of my mind one day I never did that again up 40 years ago I say I learned this from English into French from French into English and I really like that to to give somebody a piece of my mind <laughs> but it's not a nice expression really Anyway, so everything becomes very solid when you you take them seriously. You know, like me and mine. I am like that. Do you understand? That's a terrible thing. You can take yourself very seriously but in a wise way. This is a noble, nobilical path. You train your mind to become a, a kinder person, a more clear person, a more honest person, a more Patient, benevolent—I mean, you, you know—mountain of good things you can become. But wisdom doesn't mean that you should give up and let people do to you any old thing. You know, it's not that wisdom. That's not wisdom. And wisdom is the most important thing on the path. It's not mentioned, but it's the most important thing because all these mental states that you are mentioned in the on the Noble Eightfold Path, in a way. Is for you to use. Do you understand? It's like having a big pot of possibility. A big pressure coo- uh, sorry. Pressure cooker. Well, you can say that. Pressure cooker to maintain all your medication. You know, some of them need a bit more heat. Others cool down. Others kind of slowing down a bit, you know. But instead of going to the medical, to the hospital, you can go just to nobody full pass. You have, you know, quite a lot of medicine in that list of the noble eightfold path. You understand? So, if every time you attach to anything, it becomes very solid. Just to shorten it. Yeah. The less you attach to things, I'm sure you know this, you know that for many other experiences you've had, you know, when you lose your partner or you know you may cry for about a month and then after that, oh my god, I'm so glad I did. Huh? Isn't it true? Dog, I mean I can go for thing. Anything you've lost. <laughs> lost your job. Oh my god, my family's going to die and then suddenly you find something so much nicer. See not only you get more healthy, but the whole family gets healthy because you feel so happy to have a different job that drove you nuts, you know. <laughs> so never give up on life, remember. Open yourself to life. That's why most important. Trust it. So it's three o'clock now, over three. And, you know, I kind of followed the saying, but nobody ever follows quite exactly the, <laughs> the title because no we're not even given it the to, to us, you know. So, But in any case, it's all Dharma, yes? It's all practice. It's all about following the path. It's all about, you know, liberating one's mind. And, you know, what sometimes can be very difficult for people to understand is the fact that. This path needs a lot of training, do you understand? The path itself needs a training, like a pianist, like a, you know, it's like you, you're beginning to let go of this me, and you have to begin to start looking at me at a certain distance, with a certain distance. To be able to start, for example, um, you know, with the, um, I don't know so, so many of them just with the thing that m- most people know, mindfulness, uh, practice and so sort on, of meditation you know. meditation, for example is what the tool, one of the a very important tool that's going to help you, but li- like everything else, everybody goes through that, at some point you say I've had enough of meditation, you know, I've had enough I just want to go skiing somewhere else You you must understand that all these things, when you say, have I had enough of a good thing, you know, is completely normal. You know, you can only, because for a long, long time we push ourselves, you know, we push, we push, we push. We don't know we are pushing, but at some point the mind and the body had enough to be pushed, you know, they just want to relax. And yet we think if I don't push, because that's a habit, if I want to do something good, I have to, have to push. You never think that you could be doing something really good by just relaxing. Letting the mind relax a bit and ask a question. What do I need to do now? Don't know. You know there's a fa- there was a famous, I don't know if he passed away, a famous Korean master in New York. Very, fam- very well known. He used to be a his job at some point was just repairing washing machines. From he came from Korea and in New York. He started working as a repairer on washing machine. And then people got started to know him and got him and he became a famous teacher, Dharma. And uh, he had one sentence, you know, which is really dharma, true Dharma for people who practice, you know, don't know mind. He had a thick Korean accent, you know, don't know mind. <laughs> don't know <your> mind <laughs> it's a don't know mind that's going to free you do you understand we always want to know everything that's why we get sick we get miserable because we tense and then we don't get what we want because you're too tense and so you're going to have another desire to let go of tension and that is how desire retense you tense you again Say to yourself, I'm doing nothing. I want nothing. I, d- you know, I'm not going anywhere, I just nothing. What do you want to do? Don't know. <laughs> you have to be creative on the past, do you understand? No wait for the teacher or the Zafu to inspire you, you know. You have to, to be creative. Explore, like an explorer. Do you understand? If you don't have that mentality, don't you think the Buddha was not an explorer? I mean he you know, he got all these nuns, you know, ordained when in in India the women were doing something else you know, than ordaining that's pretty creative, isn't it? Even though nowadays, you know, the Theravada tradition is not keen on having (laughs) Vikuni but never mind, you know, we can go forward and backward yeah, nothing lasts forever and so you know, in the end, the thing that works best, and never forget what I say now. Even if you forget, always remember. Love yourself. It's all, uh, it sounds crazy. Yeah. Maybe. I don't mind. I don't mind. But what I mean by love is accept yourself completely, totally, unconditionally. That's not saying, oh, I'm going to be so sweet, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to love myself. No, it doesn't mean that. It means then you start doing the work you need to do to see things as they are. Got it? Yeah? Do you understand what I'm saying? No. What's your name? Hello? No, it's a lady with a lovely t-shirt, lovely color t-shirt, in front on the front row. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, do you understand? So loving is not just accepting all the sup- you know all the thing you don't like about you. I mean, it's not p- sorry, not agreeing with all the thing you don't like in front of you, or within n- your life, daily life. It's just. Being able to see clearly what you're struggling with. So don't make the difference between saying, I love you, you are an angel, my ego. You can do what you want. And then just stay there for a little while with me that I can see you really well. Yes, that I can really perceive you really well. This is one way. There are many ways, many ways to deal with the mind. But the the thing that works for many people, I think, is that's what is missing is the aspect of love, you know, and the love is just how did American have unconditional acceptance? But there's another word that always make me laugh, and I've forgotten it now. (laughs) Never mind. So this. And conditioned love comes when you mature in your practice, you know. Because you begin to see you are not a perfect being. You make a lot of mistakes. You are allowed to make a lot of mistakes. You're selfish. You know, we can be selfish. We can be stupid. We can be, you know. But when you walk the path, you are given many tools to start finding what is available to you and the most precious thing is that the more you disentangle de- en- yourself on this enormous tangle called me what happens right, is that it, it drops away and you feel so much better you're not feeling worse you feel so much better feeling free when you let go So that, that part of love, don't forget it. And you don't have to be passionate about this love. You know, it's fine. It means... <laughs> I think I made so much fun of the American accent with this word that he's kind of gone away from me. <laughs> no, I'm just joking, joking.
2: <laughs> Never
0: mind. Yeah, so it's more like a total acceptance of oneself as one is. It doesn't mean you agree with it. You don't agree with yourself. It's not an agreement. Say yes. Everything is okay. Is more as you accept. If I'm with my bag and I constantly kind of you know criticizing it, not finding it, not you know why is that? You know it's hopeless. Bag, God, you know I don't know why I got this. Do you know when you do this with your mind, what do you see going to get out of your mind? Just a pile of misery. I just almost feel like crying. They're treating my bag. No, I don't feel like crying, but. You know, if it was somebody, a human being, can you imagine doing that? You know, slapping, slapping, you know, you don't give me what I want, you're not good, you're terrible. We don't need that. We do this all the time, don't we? Not good enough. What we need is the effort, energy of effort. And that energy is not to push you down into the ground is to bring you up into the clarity of your mind. Do you understand? Into the light, you know, of your mind. Makes sense? But we, we we fall down so many times, you know, fall down the habit of thinking I'm a hopeless case. It's fine. I've done it for years myself. You know, I used to go to a chance to meet with a pile of negativity about that all because I was a senior nun and I never felt good enough, you know, and I'm not good enough anyway, but, to you And he looked at me and sort of listen, he's a very good friend, he looked at me. And then eventually, over the years, you know, several years down the road, uh, I, I remember, I remind people, if I did the same now, uh, you know, that I did 20 years ago, I would say I'm actually a raging mad woman literally, I would be mad to do something like that. It's like wanting to, uh, you know, uh, um, kind of uh, take poison, poison upon poison, if you continue to be negative upon yourself. Oh, I got the, mo- the, the name in America. Radical, <laughs> radical acceptance. <You> remember? <laughs> I said that I, <laughs> I could not remember it. But, uh um, we have, we we are like that. We cannot deny this, you know. We need to see that maybe we, uh, we there's a period in our in our life which is also conditioned by social custom, particularly in England. A well known teacher used to say, "British always not now. I think it's different now." But forty years ago, used to say that um, British always uh, very apologized deeply, deeply for being alive. Did you hear me? Yeah, uh, did you did you hear the lady uh, from England, English lady? I said British. W- somebody said that British have a tendency to present themselves as being sorry for being alive. Is that true? No, not everybody, obviously. <laughs> well, that was a view of somebody who knew people quite well. But yeah, so. Um, Don't forget that. If you really want to be having a good life, for one thing, make sure that you know what hurts, you know. What hurts people, what hurts you. And if it hurts you, it probably is the same thing will hurt people. So I'm not going to keep you for too long. I mean, we have 45 minutes. If you want to have a break, don't you? Don't you have a break? I haven't done this Sunday talk for so long. I can't remember the time now anymore, but I think it was one hour, yeah. one hour and fifty. No, no, forty-five minutes or one hour and fforti- fifteen minutes break. Is that who came last Sunday? Fifteen minutes break. Yeah, yeah. So we can have maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah. I'm sorry, I take you longer than I than I planned, but fifteen minutes break. I will give you. Um, shall we say ten minutes break? Is that okay? And then we all come back. I mean, whoever wants to come back, come back. Yeah. I apologize for my French accent. I didn't realize I had such a strong French accent, you know. Because as you get older, you just don't care so much, you know. That's the trouble. Yeah. You're just kind of more relaxed. You know, it's like muscles are more floppy and so on. You know. Anyway, I hope I can edit this talk. <laughs> so... Um, If you want to come back, it's at uh, half past four. I know it's not very long, but we can see if some of you have questions or something that uh, they want to clarify, you're very welcome, yeah? Okay. Okay. Okay any questions yeah you'll have to remember that i can't hear much at all in fact i didn't even take my hearing aids so if you can come a little i you speak quite loud and sometimes i don't even hear it but it's my mistake yeah come please Letting go of self. Karmic,
2: karmic influences. Yes. If we accept that we create our own chaos, if we create our own chaos and that is influenced by our actions, by our upbringing, and we accept the chaos as ours, where do karmic influences
0: Where do and you stop?
2: Yes. and Is, is that just a manifestation?
0: But what kind of situation you have in mind, please? Can you come a little closer? And just what kind of? I swear, mean, abstract what you say to me. Eh? Okay,
2: so, negative uh, karmic influences. Yeah, this I so yeah. Uh, where we're suffering dukkha, and those uh, experiences are uh, caused by some sort of karmic influence. Some sort of suffering because. Us. Of
0: course, and past causes, yeah.
2: So therefore, we can accept our suffering mm. through our own actions and through our own perceptions.
0: Oh, hang on, you can accept your suffering if it is your own action.
2: Well, I oh. we have no choice really.
0: <laughs> Which suffering you can accept, yours or?
2: Uh, yes, Maestro. And
0: and others, no.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now,
2: and the world that we create is our own. The world that we create is our own uh, creation. Creation. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, all suffering is part of our own uh, making.
0: Well, if an elephant comes and kill you know, kill you, I mean, it's not your problem, is it? It's a, no. It's not. I think it's it causes different, isn't it?
2: And that's where the question about karmic. There may well be that that elephant has come into the room because it's preordained, if you want, because of past experience.
0: Yeah. And.
2: So the the question is, does karmic influence um, play as big a part in our suffering and in uh, the chaos? Yeah. that we Yeah, have? yeah.
0: Now, one suggestion to you. I, I hear your question is very good. You're fine. I will tell you a story as well. But your question is isn't it funny that you don't ask me a question about the suffering that would go? You're talking about the suffering that could come because of karma. Interesting, isn't it? How the mind f- focuses not on something that could happen good, but something that could happen a disaster. You know? yes. <laughs> this is We do that all the time, you know. <laughs> it's a fear of dying, I think, that comes together, you know isn't it? And, uh, you know, even um, what's her name? The second disciple of the Buddha, there was uh, uh, anyway, the one who did a lot of terrible things in past life, I mean, it is, um, even during this life, Moggallana and uh, and Angulimala. Yeah, no, Angulimala. no, 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 no. There was the two disciples of the Buddha, you know. I'm not the only one. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not into the suttas these days. So, uh, I, mean, I have to have to really start doing my my, my reading again. <laughs> Hang on, it will come back. Um, anyway, the Buddha has two has two disciples who ordained almost at the same time. They were so impressed by one monk who was walking in the on the pathway of the I don't know in India. And uh, he um, Mogalana, Mogalana, not Angulimala, Mogalana, and the other one still. Come. Anyway, it was Mogalana that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Mogalana had also, you know, he was an arahant. And Mogalana, uh, because of his past karma, received a lot of stuff. You know, people used to throw things at him. And you know he could be hurt and so on. And the, the Buddha said, "Endure, mogala, endure." Is the thing. But if he hadn't been, uh, you know, a kind of um, liberated man, you know, if he hadn't been, uh, yeah, beyond all that, um, he probably would have been chopped into pieces. You know, <laughs> that's what. It, the karma lightens up with a good thing you do, and all the work you do. So that's kind of, you know, that can be cheering for you. You know, <laughs> just keep going. Whatever comes, you might not, you know, you might not avoid it. Or, but if it comes, I mean, I'm just speculation on my part. <laughs> Don't believe me for a minute, you know. But what what, what I, I'm left with is that we can't predict the future of what's going to happen. But one thing you can know is that by by developing the mind in a good way, in a healthy way, doing good things, being a good person, you know, following the path, basically. Then you you actually can decrease your karma. Yeah. Thank you. What a funny thing to be a human being, honestly. I'm always a strange thing. We have to torture ourselves just to <laughs> accept who we are. So, any any other question? I'm sorry to be so don't worry, uh, my hearing aids are going to get better. I mean, I, they're going to be... <laughs> yeah, very audible. <enjoyable>. Yeah. <laughs> so, this lady, right. Could you please... Hmm? Could you please explain... Is it on? No. I, yeah. Could you please explain the nature of negative demonic entities? Is it... Um, is it Are they the energies of the mind or consciousness? Are they personal, inner, or can they attach from the outside? How to pacify them? (laughs) Sorry, I'm just laughing because it's not fun, you know, it's not fun. But I have my way of looking at it, my way of, might be another way of avoiding. I I tell you what people with mental diseases are perceived as uh, possessed yeah at times in rage etc also people physically and mentally addicted to substance how from a sp- uh, 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 how from a spiritual um perception could we uh, that you haven't finished could we help them or something yeah well you know we create the world I, have, I mean this is me I, I have no doubt we create the world in our own mind, but you know you you're talking about billions of people, and I'm just talking about one person, so that would never does that would never help you. What I mean is that There is a created world and then, yeah, the Sikh, the mentally uh, ill people and so on. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about consciousness. They are fine. You know, consciousness doesn't bother with consciousness, the uncreated, nothing is there except wisdom, compassion, and good things, you know, Mm -hmm. right? The entities that you're talking about, whether they're inside or outside, I have no idea. Do you understand? I haven't seen a ghost. You know, I was really so happy to see a ghost in Thailand in 1992. I was dying. Well, I didn't know I was dying. You know, but I didn't sort of look for a ghost. You know, but I thought with a sense of humor, you know, ghost. You know, I've never seen a ghost. You know. And then one night, I was in, uh, you know, for the funeral of the Shah I was, where the few nuns went, and we were offered a kuti. And at about 12 o'clock at night, supposed to get up at 4, you know, 12 o'clock at night, I hear a noise. And, you know, me being me, I say, great, a ghost, a ghost is coming. And I was really excited. I, just thought I never, well, I d- I'm not frightened by ghosts, you know. But if I saw one that was, I don't know what I would do. Because I don't believe so much in ghosts, you know. I think we create it all. But I'm sh- I know that people really believe it. they exist, you know. Uh, you know, my mother saw things, you know. I mean, sort of entities or not very often. I mean, she's quite a normal person. But like many people will see things, you know, and think they are, ident- you know, they are people. Uh, I mean, I could think of ghosts, you know today in my cootie. I was just washing my hands, and then I was later on I was writing something for this that, and I, I kept here several times I- A different time, I said, "Good Lord, what's that? you know And um I don't know. I have no idea. I try to move my suitcase and stuff that could make the same sound. Nothing makes the same sound. But you know, when I, when I, if I'm frightened of ghosts, I send them lots of meta. Do you understand why she? I send them lots of meta. That's my confidence, you know. I mean, I heard a lot about ghosts. I read a lot about ghosts and so on, you know. But a lot of people will talk about people needing blessings, you know, needing something that liberates them from where they are. I don't go any further than that myself, and I don't go any further than, please may you be well, may you have metta, may you have loving kindness from me, and you know, wish you all the best. I have a complete deep trust in that. That's why I'm not frightened by ghosts. I mean, one day I will see a horrible one, but I haven't seen one yet. But I know, you know, I feel very good, because I tell you what, I feel good because part of me is very confident, (laughs) I don't know whether I'm right or not, in the fact that we create our mind, other people create their mind, you know. And shamanism is, you know, a bit around these things, you know, I mean, in South America, everybody is creating. Ooh, I don't know if I would like to be there, you know, because they kind of do little kind of funny things, you know, so you can put your foot onto a nasty snake or something, you know, Ooh. <laughs> I'm not sure I would want to be there la- with them creating something there, you know, it looks like pretty powerful. But so far, of, of course I live here, I'm a very safe place in some ways, you know what I mean? People are good, people are developing goodness, everybody's hating to be good, you know? Not me good, me liberated, you know? And you can only be, re- liber- be liberated through the, um, through the seeing, clearly through consciousness, where there is only wisdom, anyway. So outside, outside, I don't know, I have no idea, you know? I don't, think they, I don't think they care about walls. I mean, some of them I've heard can to go through walls, so inside, outside. It might be just a kind of, you know, uh, a little ghostly things. you know, they don't see inside, outside, because <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being really a bit humorous about it, because for them, so now you want me to talk about, yeah, to pacify them, always send them a meta. Do you know what Meta is? uh, uh, You have to come back. (laughs) I knew we couldn't discuss, we have have to make it work. So if I just say that to you, we haven't got a lot of time for other people. So no, no, stay here, stay here. No, but I know me, I'm talking about me. I could be talking to you for a long time. So can they attach from the outside how to pacify them? Don't worry. Don't predict the future. Remember, don't know mind. Don't know mind. You, m- you might never see a ghost in your whole life. I don't
1: mean ghosts, actually. I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean ghosts, actually. I mean rather more like very wrathful kind of entity. I don't actually uh, are Real know.
0: people in the street?
1: Yes, real people, and they can uh, really like be dangerous and have this... I know. Oh my God! Um, don't talk to no. me
0: about it. I look like at the, no- at the news and.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's really I difficult. Don't know how you can uh, survive there. I think it's very challenging to because I try to uh, send meta. For example, I've worked uh, with. What uh,
0: you
1: try to do? To send meta, but uh, it's very difficult when it's uh, like, you know, I, the the rage. It's like really raging, wrathful entity. Well, you can't have meta and rage I at the same time, sure. I mean, not me. That uh, the people are like. Uh, are they your friends? Like, for example, I've worked in, uh, with autistic people with uh, very challenging behaviors. And i have been, yeah, uh, you know, I've worked with uh, people with uh, challenging behaviors. And I've seen this there as well, um, like they got, they got these uh, attacks, you know, like of rage. No, and this no, happens. No, no, no. That's why, so if, yeah you yeah.
0: Practice, if you practice the past, yeah. you are letting go of things, so that includes people with rage. Well, people. No, I know what I mean is that when you, if you want to do something with how to pacify, don't pacify anybody. Pacify your heart. Yes,
1: yes, not physically. I mean, like I mean, like these entities to leave them. Leave them. Yeah. um, Yeah. You
0: don't. You don't need to create a lot of affinity with people that to you seem dangerous. You know, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Maybe we can talk about it another time because right now, of
1: course, I'm sorry. People with this was a very bad question. It's
0: a long question. (laughs) Shall we do it for another Sunday on the 18th? I will be there in September. (laughs) So, anybody wants another question? Yes. Yes. No. We can look at each other for another fifteen minutes, but otherwise, is there? You, were you there at the first session? Yeah, you were there for the first session at three o'clock, two o'clock. Okay, you were very invisible. Can you hear me? Oh gosh, being young is fun, isn't it? Can hear everything. So, do you have any question? No. Anything you want to clarify? Anything to want me to talk about? No. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry with all this. Will be, we will do a better job next time, don't worry. Okay, Hi. not too far, not too far. It's on. It's
3: on. It's on. Um, when you talked about uh, emptiness, emptiness, I was wondering if you could um, share with us uh, how to differentiate between emptiness and realizing emptiness. And nihilism. Nihilism. Nihilism?
0: Nihilism.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Nihilated. Yeah. 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 Nihilation. Am I saying it right? Nihilism.
0: Nihilism, yeah. Yeah. It's the same, yeah. Yeah. Well, what is nihilism? Stay where you are because we're going to have a little. Just, what is nihilism for you?
3: Uh, There's a sense of. Uh, Despair.
0: Despair. Yeah. Is that true? Mm.
3: And darkness as well.
0: But nihilism is... Yeah. Do you know what the word means?
3: No. no.
0: (laughs) Somebody can explain nihilism? Come from nothing, isn't it? Nothing. Nothing. What this gentleman says? Nihilism means uh, like something that's ni- nothing. Uh, uh, Nobody sort of study Greek, Latin, no? no. Nihilism means an- to aneantir in French. To aneantir. Um, it's like you you destroy something to nothing. You know, Nihilism. That's right. Ideologies that believe nothing, nothing. Yeah. You don't Latin Greek. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a good question between emptiness, uh, emptiness, and nihilism. Um, <coughs> oh, it's very different. <laughs> emptiness is a path of liberation. Nihilism is a is a is a, is a, is a, is a state not very fun. So, um, let me see, how can I explain to you? If I tell you what emptiness is, maybe you'll understand better what nihilism is about. So, the Buddha has a w- the Buddha has a way of explaining it, which is interesting, very simple. You know, it's not into metaphysics. The Buddha doesn't talk to us about metaphysics, even though he knows a lot about what's going on in the uncreated, the created, and so on. You know, he actually we actually um, you know if if I was a bhikkhuni or the monks, you know, we, we, there is a rule about not talking about metaphysics, which doesn't mean that. With, with teaching, do you know what I mean? Because the past, his past is really here and now, you know, and working with the here and now. But the, um, what he was saying that, so it's a long time I haven't read the books, but basically when you take a chariot, you know, some one turn and then you go to another, you left one and you go to the other. The other has gone, you know. It's like little by little you empty the mind But it doesn't mean that you empty in the sense that things disappear. It means that you have a mind of peace and the mind of peace is a mind that has let go of good and bad. You know, we we can develop good things and we attach to them that create problems. Bad things attach, we all know that bad things can create big problems but uh, as ajahn chah reminds us it's not good and bad good and bad is just what you meet wi- what you encounter when you walk the path you know we have the mind is dualistic He's, it's a, it's a mind which is polarized divided it doesn't have any it doesn't know any better than that you understand our conditioned mind is polarized divided uh, yeah, you understand one year, I remember when I was in a in in retreat, I remember, oh, Sundara, you know, you don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to worry about what you think because everything you think, good or bad, you you discover every, eh, the bad and the good have a good things in them, have a good, something not bad, something, you know, there's always something good in the bad, something bad in the good, you know. <coughs> they're not, they're not, one thing or another. Every opinion you, you may have about anything has good and bad. Just have to look at the politicians, you know, <laughs> they argue a lot. <laughs> but you know, th- in the whole world there's always good and bad, you know. So what you what to go you go beyond by just being free to from all that, you know, peace. You stop being identified because good if you become a good if you. S- Want to be a good Buddhist, that's a big hindrance. Yeah? A good Buddhist will make everybody miserable around them. Because if they're attached to it, they will be see all the things that are wrong with that bad Buddhist. They're not like me. I do this and I do that. I'm a good Buddhist. You might not want to think like that, but that's called you know, attachment to conceit or attachment to view and opinion about yourself. You might not want it. You don't care whether you know better. Or but I tell you, this is called anatta, by the way, you know, what I'm telling you. You don't want to say all this, but there you are. <laughs> so, when you have this polarization of the mind, what happened is that... Um, you're always stuck in some ways, you know. You're stuck into being attached to something. And the more you let go, the more you let go, the more you let go, what you discover is that the emptiness is always here. It's not going anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere. We are in emptiness right now. You know, everything is full of Zafus and stuff like that. Well, what makes you think it's not emptiness? Right? We there's plenty of things around our world, right? So the Buddha talks about emptiness and emptiness is really that which contains other things, you know. Right? In emptiness, the mind has emptiness and also conditioned things passing through. Yes? All your thoughts or your feeling or your perception of things travels through the mind, which is not your mind either, I shouldn't say that. Too too fast. You have a mind, but it's unfortunate like you think it's yours. Because if you did not know, if you knew it's not yours, then what will happen? You will have a big mind. (laughs) Do you understand? From a little thing brain here, with the eyes, nose, tongue, yeah. Then suddenly, you know, there is a famous... A scholar from Oxford uh, he's written a book on walking with no mind do you know that one anybody walking with no mind and that's exactly the experience You know, you walk but you know that it's like you have the feeling there is no mind the mind is everywhere do you understand Oh, all of you are smiling. I mean, do you feel better now? <laughs> yeah? Do you feel better? I'm sorry to be so familiar, you know. I, I love you all, but <laughs> don't tell that. <laughs> do you understand? So, the, the, you know, in a way, w- the work we had to do with the past is to kindly, gently, patiently, and clearly begin to unglue, unglue, stop identifying with this, identifying with that, so you know, patient. How do you become a patient person? How? I'll tell you the secret. By seeing all the horrible moments where you were impatient. That's a direct path. What happens when you are impatient, you have the teaching of the Buddha. I need patience. I suffer. That impatience makes me suffer. It's painful. It hurts me. It hurts others. Do you, you get a full teaching of two hours, I give, uh, you know, with just a little moment of, mind, uh, of <laughs> impatience. Do you understand? Your mistake are your teachers and your teaching, your mistake. W- if you want to know, if you, are, uh, you, know, if you want to know to that you want to become a kind person, just notice very clearly, any time you are m- a nasty man or woman, oh wait, nasty, a little more, a little dose, a big dose, you know. Notice that and pay attention to the feeling you get when you are angry and upset and so because the ego gets hurt terribly, it takes itself terribly te- seriously. That's why it hurts all the time. You know, it's not a thought, just an old thought, an old funny thought. The ego has taken himself very seriously. And when you take yourself very seriously, then you become somebody important. And you don't want anybody to put a feet on your feet, right? Go and read the book of a gentleman called, uh, um, you know, don't take your life so seriously, so personally. It's the same thing, you know. Do you understand? I've forgotten now. With does that make some sense with this empty mind?
3: I think so. Okay,
0: so. well, shall we do an experience? <laughs> keep it, keep it. You can pass it on eventually. Keep it now because maybe I have something to talk about. Oh, go and sit. That's no, fine. Go and sit. Uh, it's not an experiment, really. It's just more with your meditation, you know. You sit quietly medit- and in meditation, right? Close your eyes gently, and, you know, Begin to notice. Don't do not do meditation in a kind of methodic way, okay? Just sit there doing nothing. You don't want anything. You don't hope for anything. You're not upset with anything. Or you're very upset with everything. You know, just 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 look ahead of you and stay like this. And you begin to see what's going on you don't close your eyes you can even li- keep your eyes open doing s- doing nothing and yeah came my cozy going nothing being being nobody and going nowhere you're going nowhere and being nobody it's the same thing And, you know, that's two expressions to point to the empty mind, yeah? You're not never doing nothing. You're always doing, we're always act, acting and demanded to do something. But I doesn't have to do it all, you understand? Me. It's done by the fact that the mind knows what to do. It doesn't need an I. You have a knowledge beyond I. Yeah? But go slowly. (laughs) You need your two feet. Yeah? You need to be very solid. Because if you believe you have no I, you go crazy. Do you understand? It's not a matter of thinking you have an I or not. I comes when it's necessary and doesn't come when I forget about the time. You see, I, my memory, see, oh, gosh, it's ten past four. Need to go. Do you understand? Things come when things work and things are needed. Do you understand? But you don't need this kind of stress of me, I, and so on. You can relax. We don't relax very often because we don't know how to forgive ourselves for not being a superhuman man or women. You know, if you say something to a, a, a swear word to somebody and you happen to be on the Buddhist path, you're even more aware you have been uh, unkind. You know what I mean? If you have just not done any teaching before, practicing before, you would forget immediately. The, the teaching brings you, you know, requires that you become very conscious, very aware. You understand?